Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Gateway Rescue Mission, meeting the physical and spiritual needs of the homeless right here in Jackson, Mississippi. Check us out at www.gatewaymission.org. What is up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Monday, July 8th edition of the Rebel Report podcast. Packed show to get to today. Not a ton of really Ole Miss-related news, but a lot of NBA. Uh, For those of you that like the NBA, if you don't, this uh, might not be the main show for you. But good news, football is coming soon, so you won't have much more to do with that. But some Ole Miss news sprinkled in there, some Ole Miss NBA-related news that kind of all ties in. Um... Kawhi Leonard and Paul George kind of rocked the NBA this weekend when Kawhi Leonard elected to sign with the Clippers and then basically helped orchestrate a trade between Oklahoma City and the Clippers that sent Paul George to Los Angeles um, that kind of significantly shifted the balance of power in the NBA. Um, We have Maddie Lee on today. A pretty good interview, or a really good interview with her. Excuse me. She covers the... um, Thunder for the Oklahomans. She covered Ole Miss for a short time last football season. You might remember before moving on to bigger and better things. She covered Ole Miss during quite possibly the calmest time of the last half decade. In the four months she was here, there were no scandals, um, <laughs> no no cell phone issues, no NCAA issues. What a what a shame that she missed out on. But uh, <laughs> she, she, she does great work for the Oklahoman. Uh, I think you'll enjoy that interview. She kind of dissected the Oklahoma, I guess, vantage point of the Paul George trade and kind of how it affects that franchise. And I got some general NBA free agency thoughts from her and then just kind of what it's like covering a league where the entire landscape of the the association changes in the matter of a week. Um, So I think you'll really enjoy that if you like basketball. You might enjoy it if you don't like basketball. Um, Maddie's awesome. She does great work. Um, But, yeah, so we'll just kind of see where this thing takes us. What's up, man? It's uh, it, it was kind of a wild weekend from a sports perspective to be in the middle of July. Like there was a lot happening for what was supposed to be just pretty mundane weekend. Yeah, there uh, there really was a lot going on. Um, I guess we'll get to the Ole Miss NBA related news first. So Terrence Davis has signed a two year deal with the defending NBA champion Toronto Raptors. Um, Davis played, I believe, two summer league games with the uh, Denver Nuggets. Played really well. I think he scored 22 points yesterday in a win over the Orlando Magic and then signed a contract with the Raptors shortly after. Davis, um, I guess the best way to describe this is Davis kind of gambled on himself and it paid off. Um, He had a couple of options to sign two-way deals um, and be a second-round draft pick um, on the back end of the draft, turn those down. Um, which is kind of seen as a risky move because obviously you're not guaranteed anything at all if you turn down that and go into the and just go into the summer league as a roster invitee. But it it, it paid off. He signed a two-year deal where the first year is guaranteed, and I don't know if he'll make the Raptors opening night roster. I don't know if he'll be in the G League, but um, in all likelihood, he will be the first Ole Miss player in the NBA in about a decade. Yeah, yeah, and then good for TD. I was I was happy for him. I didn't know if. You know, him turning down those two-way contracts was a good idea or not. But, uh, you know, he bet on himself, and, and it worked out for him. Cause now he's got a, a year of guaranteed NBA salary. He's going to play at some point in an NBA game. I don't think that's debatable at this point. And, you know, it's big for him, big for Ole Miss. It's, it's just a really good story because uh, the work he put in was, was unmatched. Um, 
you know, from he, he was a guy that came in as a freshman with, that you would describe as raw and a project. And, and you know, by the time you know he, he's getting ready to play in the NBA, I mean, he's a really good basketball player and just kind of put it all together and harnessed it. So yeah, it was, it was a cool night for him for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably fairly likely he's. I, I just don't know, like when you get into training camp and how all that works. Obviously, the Raptors will. Their roster will look drastically different this year with Kawhi Leonard gone. You know, I, I think they're they're kind of centering to where they're building around Pascal Siakam for the foreseeable future, but they've still got Kyle Lowry under contract. How they reshape that roster, I guess, remains to be seen. But um, the first year of his deal is fully guaranteed. So, yeah, you would think at some point you will likely see him, particularly with the position the Raptors are in, in, in the NBA um, at, at some point. He averaged, what, 15, 6, and 3.5 and assists? and shot 37% as a senior from three-point range. As you mentioned, he was uh, very raw. I remember he was at the end of the AK era. AK, was, AK would always mention he's a guy that's probably got some of the most raw athleticism he'd ever seen, and if they could just kind of refine it, he would he would turn into a hell of a player. And I think at least to uh, at least to some degree that, that held true. I mean, he, he, he got better, and I think he played a lot more, I guess, under structure, you would call it, in Terrence and in, Excuse me, Kermit Davis's system last year. I think he became a better and more consistent defender um, under that. So I, uh, I don't know. Good for TD. He bet on himself. It, it paid off. I am interested to see kind of where his career goes and how long this lasts. Yeah, yeah. And it's a situation where he's got to be a guy that uh, you mentioned defense. He's got to be a guy that can really play defense because if, if he's getting exposed on that level, he's not going to stick around very long. But if he's a pretty good defender, he he got a chance to stick in that league for a while. Yeah, I mean the, the what he does, the things he does in transition, and his shooting has continued to improve over the course of college, and it appears now kind of into his professional career. So yeah, I mean I think if he can hold his own on the defensive end, he could be a pretty good bench scorer all, um, in a second unit in the NBA. I think that's probably his ceiling. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe he finds his way into a starting lineup. I, I don't really know. I think it's still very hard to tell at this point. Obviously, the contract's very young, but that's good news for Terrence Davis. He's a good guy. Um, I'm, I'm glad things have worked out for him. I'm glad things have worked out well. I know he's worked his ass off for that, and then you know, obviously, as we said a minute ago, gambled on himself, and it 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 paid off with a you know full year guaranteed contract to play with an NBA team, and you know the second year if things go well. So. Good for Terrence. Uh, that'll be interesting to watch. Um, kind of on a different level and somewhat related to the Toronto Raptors. Uh, the reason the Raptors roster will look different is because Kawhi Leonard is now a member of the Los Angeles Clippers. And then he recruited Paul George to play with him in what was a wild Friday night, Saturday morning of uh, NBA reporting. And now the league is probably as wide open and as balanced as it's been in at least 15 years maybe it's history i don't really know i I don't really remember much nba past like 2004 2005 but holy cow yeah i mean there's what seven to eight teams that if you told me won the title i wouldn't be shocked um yes but i would say with leonard going to that team and the bench and the depth that they've had particularly defensively and then you add a guy like paul george um I would say the, and I guess Vegas reflects it. I would say the Clippers are definitely the favorite now, but yeah. at the same time, there's you know seven or eight other teams that certainly have a puncher's chance at it. But man, they just added two, they just added the two, the two best two-way defenders and the two best two-way players in basketball. That's a uh, to a team that already had a good bench and pretty much kept it, kept most of its roster intact. Uh, you know. 
the Nuggets, I mean, excuse me, the um, Thunder got a pretty good piece in the uh, in the Shea Alexander. Like he he's he's he showed last year he's going to be a pretty good player in this league. They kind of got something they can build around there. You know, not complete. You know, Danilo Gallinari was pretty good for them. Not necessarily great defensively, but man, the the Clippers were able to keep most of their roster intact, and that is going to be a scary defensive team. Yeah, I don't really know how you're going to score them. Um, they are the favorite. I think they're plus 300. I think the Bucks and Lakers come in next at like plus 400. Um, I'm not really sure past that. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's as balanced as it's been in a long time. It's going to be tough to score on the uh, Clippers on a consistent basis. I mean, I, you know, Kawhi and, and Paul George are, like you said, two of the better defenders in the league and can also put the ball in the basket. So it's going to be a uh, nightmare kind of night in for night out trying to score on them. Yeah, what was interesting to me was uh, – What's it's as quiet as of a guy as quiet Leonard is. He is apparently one hell of a um, one hell of a recruiter um, because he tried to recruit Kevin Durant and that became a thing. I would say last Saturday, kind of the night before Kevin Durant decided to sign with Brooklyn. Um, obviously, that didn't work out. But Kevin, it was reported that Kevin Durant was kind of taken aback and flattered by it. And so Leonard's kind of this like silent assassin in the sense that he he kind of kills dynasties and then knows how to kind of recruit players and obviously is well respected because you know as soon as he kind of Paul George heard rumblings that this was possible and he could go back home to Los Angeles he did it and what's interesting to me from this side of it is like they're both LA kids both had chances and both originally desired when they left their previous organizations being the Pacers and the Spurs to go to Los Angeles and play for the Lakers and the Lakers weren't able to get either of them well I mean right but I I don't I don't know how to say this. I don't think people are exactly fired up to play with LeBron James anymore. Yeah, no like, kidding. I, I he takes the entire franchise hostage. Yeah, that, that's kind of my thing. I don't I don't really think people are overly excited to play for him. So I don't know if it's a Lakers thing or if it's if LeBron James is an ass. I think it's more of the second. And so that, I think that's well, kind of just... I think it's a little bit of both because, man, that Baxter Holmes story on the dysfunction inside the Lakers front office was astonishing how terribly run that organization is. I mean, just absolutely astonishing. Like, you know, you've got secretaries having anxiety attacks because Magic Johnson basically bullied them into thinking if they made another mistake, they were fired. The lady forgot to, like, arrange travel for a prospect to come to the arena, and he said if it happens again, you're fired, and the lady had to, like leave work because she was having like an anxiety attack like it was it was complete and gross in comments i mean magic johnson the president of the team resigned on the spot just because a pool of reporters were nearby like it was an absolute zoo yeah well i think magic was terrible um i don't think palinka is as bad as his rap is i, I think he's a snake no don't get me wrong i don't think he's as bad as uh his rap is as far as running a team but but magic was just incompetent um I don't know. I mean, it's, it's interesting that, uh, that, like you mentioned, both those guys wanted to, to go to L.A. and been, presumably be Lakers, and then a year later, neither one of them was on there. But, you know, the Lakers are a team. I think they've added some pretty good pieces outside of maybe KCP uh, at his at the salary he's making that can make them competitive and, and look towards winning a title next year. I think uh, the boogie signing for only three and a half. I mean, if you're only paying him three and a half million, I think it's a really good signing. Um, you know, I, I think they've got some guys that can help them compete. So it's, it's, I think it's the best two teams in the West, and, and Vegas kind of shows this, or the L.A. teams. And, boys, we get a Western Conference Finals of L.A. versus L.A. I mean, talk about ratings. Jesus. 
Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that on the surface. I just it's interesting because they're so top heavy because they are going to contend for a title because they have two of the best six players on earth right now. Right. And so anytime you have that, obviously you're 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 going to compete and you're going to be okay in that sense. But like, I just wonder like they're signing, they're filling out the roster with minimum guys, some with baggage. You know, some okay. Like, I, you don't really know what DeMarcus Cousins is. He had the worst injury you can have as a basketball player um, and kind of rushed it back. I think there's potential he could be okay there. But I just wonder if they get an injury or two in, you know, what happens with that when you have teams like the Clippers, you have teams like Utah, you have teams like Denver with ridiculous amounts of depth. What happens there when you get into a playoff series? Um, Houston, as as much as they've had off-season troubles, they're running it back again, and they were the closest team to beat the Warriors the last two years, so I don't think you can rule them out either. It'll just be interesting to me to see what happens if the Lakers aren't completely healthy and how they play together, because that roster's already a very strange fit. You have LeBron, you have Anthony Davis, and then you have a very large wing in Kyle Kuzma, and I don't really know how that's going to fit. I'm not saying it can't. It's just it's going to be interesting to see how that fills out. I think the Lakers are going to have to nail a couple of buyout guys in February, like when you get to the deadline and teams buy guys out and you can kind of just add to the roster with basically no penalty. Um, I think they're going to have to nail it with a couple of bench pieces there to really have a shot. But I don't know. The Leonard trade makes the NBA super fascinating. Um, it showed pretty much no one in the media no shit. Because, um, I mean, it was it was basically the last two days it sounded like the Clippers had been ruled out and it was the Lakers or the Raptors. And, of course, that turned out not to be the case at all. Um, you know, there was reports that Magic Johnson leaking stuff from his meetings with Kawhi Leonard didn't help. Um, and then there was almost a trade that sent Paul George to the Raptors, and that didn't necessarily work out because the the Clippers were able to just add assets or offer assets that the Raptors didn't have. Anyway, we get into that with Matty Lee in a bit. It's interesting. I find the NBA incredibly fascinating, um, and it's going to be as good as it's been in years because there's going to be 10, 15 I mean, 10, 12 teams that have a little legitimate chance at making the NBA Finals. Did uh, Maddie mention if, if the rumors that they were willing to trade Paul George and Kawhi, or, uh, Paul George and Russell Westbrook were true? Well, I mean, that deal was on the table with uh, with um, with Toronto. I think that's been reported nationally a, co- uh, a couple of different places, and I don't think it. I don't think the uh, I don't think the Raptors wanted to move off Siakam, and for a number of reasons, I don't know why the Raptors, with the position they're in, would want to add Russell Westbrook to that. He just doesn't really fit that at all. It's a thirty-year-old guy who's kind of the bounce in his legs are behind him, and he's incredibly difficult to play with. But if you add, I mean, if you add Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Kawhi, probably signs with you. Is that not a recipe? For oh yeah, topic? no, no, sure. I mean, if you get if you got Paul George, he was going to play with you. But I, I just. I don't. I didn't see a realistic scenario where that was going to happen. Well, why not? I mean, if they, if they, let's just play hypothetical. They make the trade, and then Kawhi signs with them. What's the downturn in that? Russell Westbrook. It's still Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George. Like, what's the difference with them on the Clippers? Because there's no Russell Westbrook. You think he's that big of a detriment? Dude, they've had three straight first-round exits. He's had two in generational talents, like, leave. Like, at a certain point, it's you, man. It's your fault. Well, just cut him and play with Kyle Lowry. Because I feel like if you have... Uh, have you seen Lowry, how much money West Russell Westbrook's making this year? I know. Well, throw him on the bench. I don't really care. I just feel like any team that has Paul George and Kawhi Leonard can win a title. Yeah, sure, and that deal was offered without Russell Westbrook, but there was a trade scenario where Russell Westbrook, I think, was going... Like, they... they 
There was a scenario where they offered both. I don't think that was ever realistic, though, because I think the overhaul and the roster, like the the Raptor, the Raptors roster wouldn't have looked like it looked at all this year if both of them had come. You would have had to given up so many assets that, like, you probably know Siakam. So it's not it's not really the same team. I guess you're putting it on. Okay, I, I just man, if if I can put Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the same team, I'd do it. I, I don't really care what I have to give up. Yeah, I guess, but then you end up, I guess, as top. I think you could end up like the Lakers and be incredibly top heavy. I don't know; doesn't matter. Um, so that's kind of decided. I, uh, I'm trying to think. Did anything else come up this weekend? No, not really. Uh, not, not that matters. Yeah. Um, really, we're just kind of a week away from media days. This time next week, I'll be in Hoover or Birmingham, whatever you want to call it, for SEC media days. Um, I don't think Ole Miss has announced who they're bringing yet. Um, that'll be kind of interesting. I don't, I think who would you? I would definitely bring Matt Corral. Uh, yeah, Corral's going. Um, try to think. Wow, wow, this is not fun because there's Benito Jones. Is he a good interview? Uh, no, incredibly quiet. Uh, not a bad guy. Not a great interview though. It's just so like you want guys that are not going to say anything dumb, of course, because you've got you know. You, you've got an incredibly large media contingent. And basically, the name of the game at SEC Media Days is to say absolutely nothing. <laughs> sound good and sound good while saying absolutely nothing. And so, I think you need to bring Corral because obviously he's kind of the face of your program now. Maybe a Scotty Phillips. He's a well-spoken yeah, guy that had Scottie a really Phillips. good season last year. I think that's certainly possible. Um like maybe an Alex Givens or one of the veteran guys yeah, on the that, offensive that, that, line, that but do you want to bring someone on the defensive side of the ball? None of this really matters that much. I'll just be interested to see who they decide. Um, I've got a sneaking suspicion, suspicion Kadir Shepard will not be attending um, SEC Media Day. Um, but outside of that, I really don't. I really don't have any idea who. Uh, I really don't have any idea who 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 they're taking. So that'll be kind of interesting. Kadir just tells it like it is, man. He does, and that is a wonderful thing. I, I find it electric. I think he's hilarious. Um, that's probably, though, not who they're going to want up there um, in front of all that. When, like I said, the name of the game is to say absolutely nothing and sound interesting while you're saying it. Um, yeah, so we're kind of really hitting, like, the, the last – we're in this last week of the dead time, you know. Like, SEC Media Days will give us some content to talk about, about, you know, who said what and who you think which team is going to be better and kind of – at least some some fodder to kind of get you through the last little bit of July, and then we're off to the races with fall camp. So this is really the last week where it's just it's really dead. Um, I'm going to try to go see a basketball practice this week. I think I'm going to okay. run by. Um, they're getting some of the newer guys in. Um, you know, we mentioned some of this last week. There's been some rumblings that Sh- uh, Sean Robinson is going to try to reclassify. Um, I had been i had been told from a couple people around the 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 program that that's certainly something they're still working on i know neil mccready i think at rebel grove was saying that he talked to sean robinson's coach who said that is absolutely not going to happen he's not going to reclassify obviously you would kind of expect his high school coach to say as much i think um and so that's kind of a developing situation my guess would be that they I, like I if if they're working on it that hard I would think he probably ends up coming I think didn't the spirit report that he was re, indeed reclassifying over the weekend I mi- I may have missed that um, if if they did I, I may have missed it too um, I'm not sure that was it was it was a I feel like that was something that was kind of tried to be kept secret 
um, that they didn't really want out. But, yeah, I mean, it was the worst-kept secret in town that, that he was possibly reclassified. Sure. I, it'll just be interesting to see over the next month if that happens. Usually it seems like with these things, if that, there's that big of a push, it's probably going to happen. Um, so I guess we'll kind of monitor that over the next next little bit. But they've got some new guys in. Hadim C is in there. Um, you know, they're kind of getting a first glimpse at some of the other some of the other. You know, new guys that they've brought in. And then I'm kind of interested to see what Luis Rodriguez looks like and kind of how far Carlos Curry's come. So hopefully... hopefully. I've I've heard that Austin Crowley is going to play big minutes and possibly start for this team. Um, Yeah, I, 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 I haven't... I haven't necessarily heard the same thing, but I'm not saying that's not necessarily true. But again, it, it's July. Um, yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of how some of these guys progress because I think this team is going to kind of look like more what a Kermit Davis team would look like in the sense that if you look at some of his teams at Middle Tennessee, you look at some of the other places he's coached where it looks more like that, where last year he was just kind of trying to make the best with the pieces that he was handed in year one. So I'll be interested to see that. Um, Not a whole lot of really other news on the football front. Um, That's about all I got. I guess we should get to this interview, and then we can go to the conspiracy theory corner at the end of it. yeah, yeah, the uh, the women's team uh, won the World Cup yesterday, and the men's team embarrassed themselves. So everything's normal on the soccer front too. Let's hold that thought because I actually <laughs> did something this weekend that I never thought I'd do. Um, so we'll get to the interview with Maddie Lee now, and then we'll come back and talk some, I guess, soccer, and then maybe some conspiracy theory. There we go. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest. She covers the Oklahoma City Thunder for the Oklahoman. You can read her work. On Twitter at Maddie underscore M underscore Lee, you can find her, of course, in the pages of the Oklahoman or at newsok.com. Um, Maddie, what's up? Busy couple of days. It really has been. Um, starting at 1 a.m. on, I guess, technically Saturday morning, uh, and it's just been a whirlwind from there. Yeah, so I, I guess we'll, <laughs> I guess we'll start with the the obvious. I kind of the. Big news is, of course, the team you covered, the Thunder, have been kind of at the NBA's epicenter the last couple of days, and particularly this weekend because, of course, of a blockbuster trade that sent Paul George to the Los Angeles Clippers to team up with Kawhi Leonard. I I guess we'll start from your vantage point just that day and when you kind of got rumblings that something might happen, and then, of course, when, when it all happened, just kind of from your vantage point, what was the evening like? Right, yeah, well, I think, honestly, the news blindsided almost everyone. Obviously, Woj had it, um, but it sounds like the Thunder even didn't know, didn't get the word that Paul George was going to be requesting a trade until earlier this week. Um, So, you know, it was a lot of last minute, A, from their standpoint, like trying to make this work in time for him to join up with Kawhi Leonard in, in L.A. And then, for us, I mean, it got to a lot of the Thunder is really good at keeping things under wraps. So you talk to a lot of Thunder writers and, you know, some of us, like, I was still awake, thank goodness. Um, but you hear other people who just had to wake up to the news. And a lot of Thunder fans had to wake up to the news as well. Uh, so a lot of it was piecing things together at 1 a.m. What was your initial reaction to the entire thing? Because in a world where, you know, this free agency, and it feels like people say this every year now, particularly the past four years, was kind of unprecedented in terms of teams reshaping their roster. The the Thunder hadn't done a whole lot. And so 
I, I guess to a two-part question, just kind of one, what was you like? What was your gauge of what they were going to try to do this summer before this happened? Yeah, so it was completely just all right. Let's solidify a few things around Russell Westbrook and Paul George, and try to cut back a little bit on that uh, the on their salary because that luxury tax bill has been getting up there the last few years. A lot of that being eaten up by um, Russell Westbrook and Paul George's salaries, trying to cut salary around them, but not so much that they're going to you know, fall out of the playoff race or anything. And you can see that with, with the um, free agents that they reportedly come to agreements with, guys who are there, you know, are not expensive, but can be strong pieces around your two main guys. And so, obviously, that all changes now uh, that one of them is gone. Yeah, and so it, it it's interesting to me watching some of these teams across across this league, and I, I just wonder, do you think it, it looked like Presti was kind of, I don't want to say backed into a corner, but he was kind of, he kind of made the best out of what seemed like a fairly impossible situation, and I think he probably kind of saw that he didn't. He would never have more leverage than he had right now. And so, I, do you think GMs and Presti in particular, but really just GMs across this league, are kind of more willing to accept, I guess, a quote-unquote rebuild by seeing how fast your fortunes can turn as a franchise? Because I mean, you look at New Orleans, kind of are now the future of the NBA, and that really just started with Zion Williamson kind of falling into their lap. And of course, you had the Anthony Davis trade too. But, but do you think Presti was maybe more comfortable with going the re- rebuild route and kind of tearing it down now that you kind of see that it doesn't necessarily take as long as maybe it once did to build a roster back up? Your fortunes can change pretty quickly. Right, yeah. No, I think I think that's right. But I think there, there's a bunch of different factors at play here for the Thunder specifically. Um, one is that, I mean, you look at teams who – because he could have been like, no, we're not trading him, <laughs> you know. But you look at teams like the Pelicans, um, who, when you have a player who, and I don't think that if Paul George had stayed another year, it would have gone down nearly the same way that it went down with AD in um, New Orleans. But the Thunder needed him to be absolutely on top of his game because this past season, really, the Thunder went the way that Paul George went, and you saw when he was playing through two hurt shoulders that their season started to really crumble. Um, Even with, I mean, Russell Westbrook really stepped up during that time, but when Paul George was really on and really making that uh, case for MVP, that was when the Thunder was at its best. And so they needed, you know, obviously he is not likely to have the same you know, best of his career performance that he had last year, this coming season, but they still needed him to be all in. And so, you know, and like you mentioned, they're never going to have more leverage than they did on, you know, Friday night, Saturday morning, where they're real. they are technically, they're trading Paul George, but the assets that they're getting back, the Clippers are willing to give up more than they would for just Paul George because they're essentially getting Paul George and Kawhi Leonard for what they're giving up. Um, so those two things were huge in it. And then um, also just the fact that, as you're saying, like we've seen a lot of teams. Well, the Thunder, so the Thunder has 
been trading away picks, um, first-round picks more recently, a lot more recently, um, and not going the rebuild route even when when Kevin Durant left, they didn't tear it all down. They built around Russell Westbrook, and they've been going on this track since 2016. And now they've reached a point where, you know, in their early years, in their small market team, and they had really young Kevin Durant and a brand new to the league Russell Westbrook, they had, like, a pretty affordable team. And now they've gotten to the point where they are just, throwing away, not throwing away money, but that luxury tax bill is getting massive. You saw them already trying to cut back on it. Um, And so this is a way to actually set themselves up for the future with all those picks and a guy like, say, Gilgis Alexander, you know, I'm I'm not going to guarantee that they keep him, but he's a really exciting young guy to have on this team. And so they have a opportunity to actually build towards the future because eventually they were going to hit kind of a wall here with what they've been doing for the past three years. And you've already seen them do three consecutive first-round exits. So I think all those those three things combined made this trade make sense for the Thunder. Yeah, the Thunder to me are in a, in a weird way are kind of the like they're kind of a good example of, of how I don't know if volatile is the right word, but just how fast things can change in the league because they they lose Kevin Durant, and as you mentioned, you know some thought they might go the rebuild route and that might be the end of it, and then they take a gamble on Paul George and it seems to work out because he re-signs and it seemed like they had some stability, and then all of a sudden in the course of a week that, that kind of all gets kind of taken out from under them. So I guess what is the sense among the the front office and the Thunder fan base is, is where you go from here? Because it, it sounds as if Russell Westbrook may not be long for the franchise. It sounds like they might be moving him. Like, kind of what is their next step as they head into the season? Right. I think, really, they're still trying to completely plot that out at this point. Because with the last-minute nature of of that trade, they were trying to just get the best that they could out of it. Um, and now they've really got to like look at their take a long look at their future. And the nice thing about all the assets that they got back, including those five first round draft picks, is that they have several options, right? Ranging all the way from like a total break it down and rebuild, which I don't think they'll do. I think they still want to at least be like fringe playoff contenders. I don't think they want to like completely bottom out all the way then to being like, okay, we'll stick with Russell Westbrook and we'll build around him and leverage these assets. To me, it makes more sense to go more on taking advantage of the fact that you have a, a plan that could extend further into the future instead of – even if they leverage these assets into – a couple of their players, like they're not going to get another Paul George caliber player, you know? Right. And already with Paul George, their likelihood of competing for a title was looking pretty slim, especially with how good other teams in the West were getting. Um, you know, not out of the question, but still. So, I mean, when you're not going to be able to compete for a title right now, I think it makes sense. And like you said, there have been uh, reports of 
Houston and Detroit and Miami all being uh, very interested in Russell Westbrook, and who wouldn't be? I like would not be surprised if we heard more popping up. Um, the bet, you know, then it, you have to get down into the nitty gritties. We're so much in the early stages of that. Soon you have to get into the nitty gritties of like, okay, can we actually make a trade work salary wise and and fit wise that makes sense for both these teams. And so that's when when it'll actually. Uh, We'll actually see if they can pull off a trade for Russell Westbrook, and yeah, that I mean that'll determine a lot of their future. And I don't think trading Russell Westbrook is the only way, uh, but it does seem to be like a route that they're looking into. And and you know who wouldn't sit down with their their star as soon as his partner in crime leaves you know like when you have two big guys and one is gone you have to sit down and be like all right what does our future look like you were in the arena most if not every night and of course for the playoffs every every night was was there anything that changed with that team or was it simply a team that just kind of ran into a hot portland team like what, what was kind of your vantage point from the last let's say two months of the season about how just that kind of ended i think probably a little more abruptly than some thought it might yeah i mean they were so they were winning so many games in January, and then honestly, we we keep pointing to right after the All Star break because they, that was when they really started sliding. And they had one um, great game, I believe it was against Utah, right at the beginning of that before they tailed off. But you could see the beginnings of it right before the All Star break in New Orleans, and it was really easy at that point to be like, oh well, you know, they're about to head into All Star break. They're they already gone on vacation sort of thing. Um, but I think it was a combination of, A, Paul George was no longer healthy, which really hurts you. Um, and B, everyone just stopped shooting so well. They're like For whatever reason, January was the month that like all of the Thunder shooters start, just like got an uptick. Really, throughout the season, Paul George, you know, his shot came and went a little bit with the injury, but he, he stayed pretty steady. And um, Jeremy Grant was a very consistent corner three-point shooter. Everyone else had some pretty, you know, dip, uh, mountains and valleys, so to speak. And so they all happened to peak at once in January, and, and their defense slid a little bit in that month, but they could make up for it with this crazy offensive, you know, spike that they had. And then as soon as that leveled off, then you started realizing how much their defense had split from the beginning of the season. And so the combination of those two sent them into a bit of a downward spiral. And then once they got to the playoffs, really Portland just, I hate when people, they didn't want it more. I hate, I hate when people use that phrase, but they were determined to get past the first round after what happened the year before. Right. And the Thunder was kind of just, you know, they won. They went on a bit of a winning streak towards the very end, and so kind of ended on a high note. But they weren't the same. They weren't on the same solid ground that they had been earlier in the season, and they had. 
injuries to a lot of key players, and so and they can't they can't make thirty seven foot threes. Right. Uh, <laughs> They, uh, you you had mentioned that solid ground. It, it's interesting the, that two that marriage when Paul George resigned. They seem like you know Russell Westbrook, rightly or wrongly, kind of gets a reputation as a guy that is sometimes difficult to to play alongside. And I think obviously part of that had to do with the Kevin Durant departure. Was there any dissension between those two at all? Could you sense, or do you think like do you think Paul George maybe kind of sensed that this was kind of their ceiling or close to it, or do you think it was just an opportunity to go back home and play basketball in Los Angeles that he couldn't pass up? I think that's a good, really good question. Um, and it's interesting, I actually wrote about Paul George and Russell's, Westbrook's relationship today. I don't know if it's up online yet, but by Monday, when, the, when this uh, <laughs> podcast goes up, it will be. Um, they... They were very close during the two years that he was here. And, you know, you mentioned the, the reputation that Russ gets about playing, being hard to play with. Paul George would shoot that down every time that he had a chance to. Um, but, you know, this team, they, they did a good job about saying the right things, about being, believing that they hadn't, tap their potential and obviously believing that they could get past a first round even though they hadn't for the past three years. So even like going into this off season, they sounded pretty optimistic, but you're always going to say that, you know, and the combination of, I mean, just thinking about Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, two of the best two-way players in the league playing side-by-side, that's pretty enticing. And to have a real shot at a title, also pretty enticing. Uh, It sounded like, I mean, there are reports out here, out there about this, that Paul, really the getting him to be with Kawhi was, was the goal. And so there were some talks about potentially, you know, trading with the Raptors in order to make that happen, but the Clippers got it done, and that's, like you said, he grew up in Palmdale. He's from the L.A. area. He has a house in L.A., so all of those things are really enticing, and apparently, even though we barely hear from Kawhi, he's a great recruiter, and yeah, so I don't think, not that you weren't implying that him and Russ weren't getting along. Um, But I don't think, I think their relationship, it seems, is still solid. They were going back and forth on Instagram a little bit, uh, saying that, you know, how much they loved each other, (laughs) essentially. And, um, but there seems to have been, if whether or not this is part of Paul George's thinking, I won't pretend to be, part like in his head but this team seems to for whatever reason keep hitting a roadblock at in the first round of the playoffs and granted Kawhi Leonard won a title in Toronto and and still left but you know it's hard as a guy who wants to win to look at an opportunity to 
win a title and say no. Yeah, and he's 29, so he, he at this point, I imagine he doesn't know how long this is going to last in terms of him just being at his peak. Because, you know, when you get past right. 30, you just never know. It's uh, That was really interesting stuff. Just one of the last things I, I want to ask is is you, you're a season into the an NBA beat now. What is it like covering? I mean, what is it like covering a league where the the entire landscape of the league reshapes seemingly in a matter of about a week? Like I, is it, <laughs> like I would just think about it as you would have to like be thinking so far ahead as to far as what your team could do. It would seem incredibly difficult to try to forecast maybe what's a realistic off season plan. What has that been like for you? Yeah, no, it's been it's been crazy, and I think a lot of a lot of Right now, I expected, and I think the Thunder expected, for the rest of the season, or the offseason, to not be that crazy. You know, maybe they add, maybe they make a trade and and lower that salary, or the luxury tax a little bit. Um, But they were pretty, you know, they did what they needed to do in free agency. So it seemed like, oh, Okay, we kind of know what's going on here, and then just poof. <laughs> like now, now it's a lot of having to realize, like you know, come to terms with. Okay, I don't not do the thing where everyone did with Kawhi's decision, where they're like, he's ninety nine percent sure that he's going to the Lakers, <laughs> and ninety nine percent sure that he's going to Toronto. Like admitting, like, okay, I don't know this. Let me ask as many people as I can to see if they know this. Uh, and sometimes, honestly, the teams, the answers from the team is like, we haven't figured that out yet. And sometimes <laughs> that's them being coy. But, like, you know, sometimes teams actually haven't figured things out yet, right. uh, especially when something comes down. So, I mean, it's a... Uh, it's a wild ride, for sure. So you're saying it's just slightly more exciting than covering Ole Miss football? Oh, my gosh. How did I get, like, the only stand in Ole Miss where there wasn't, like, a major crisis? Or oh, if you had, like, I think if you had made it, I think if you had I even, stuck around a couple more months, you would have had something. Because there was two coordinator right? searches that you were able to duck around at the I, end of the year. Yeah. I didn't even get any like no brawls, no no I didn't even get the um the decision on the appeal. <laughs> That's right, you had that like perfect window where it was like kind of like the eye of the storm, like the like you were in there and then the back half hit right right as you took the job at the Oklahoma. So the fairly good <laughs> fortune for you because it got cra- a little bit crazy once you left. <laughs> I'm not sure if it was good. Good fortune that I didn't have to deal with any craziness or bad fortune that I didn't have to deal with any major news. <laughs> They're pretty mediocre during, during those few months. It was very, 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 by Ole Miss standards, it was very calm. Well, Maddie, we appreciate it. I won't take up too much of your time. That was uh, that was really great stuff. But, again, go follow her on Twitter at Maddie underscore M underscore Lee. Go read the story she was referring to earlier about Paul George and Russell Westbrook's relationship. I'm looking forward to reading it. By the time you listen to this, it will certainly be up. Maddie, we really appreciate your time and would love to do this again soon. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for having me on. And that was our interview with Maddie Lee. Um, I thought she gave some really interesting insight. Uh, that piece she's talking about with 
she wrote about uh, Paul George's relationship with Russell Westbrook and kind of how that stands after all of this went down. Definitely, definitely go check that out on newsoklahoman.com, or you can obviously, as I mentioned earlier, follow Maddie Lee on Twitter at Maddie underscore M Lee, I believe. Um, so appreciate her time. We'll probably get her back on soon, maybe to do some more NBA, maybe during the season, something like that. Um, I thought it was really interesting to get the Oklahoma City side of it because, as I mentioned, I think while we were talking, um, Oklahoma City in a weird way is kind of the, like, I guess example of how just quickly your fortunes can turn as an NBA franchise. They lose Kevin Durant. You think they're going to go the rebuilding route. A year later, they take a gamble on Paul George uh, as kind of a rental. That ends up paying off because he signs a two-year con- or he re-signs a contract, three-year contract. Um, and now the organization kind of has some stability. And then, of course, that's all ripped out from under them, really, in the matter of a week um, as he requests a trade to go play with Kawhi Leonard. So they're really kind of an example of just how quickly things can change in this league and, and how quickly um, your fortunes can change. And as you probably heard earlier, I asked Maddie at some point during that, do you think a GM like Sam Presti is more inclined to move off of Paul George? I know he didn't really have any choice because in the NBA, when a superstar wants to get out, you really don't have much choice but to move them. But if he's more inclined to go into a rebuild because of how quickly you know you can turn it around, like it's not necessarily going to have to be four or five year rebuild, like maybe it has been in the past. I mean, you look at the Pelicans; their entire franchise changed by you know having a lottery guy like Zion fall into their lap and then the Anthony Davis trade your your fortunes can change as a franchise very quickly um so i think gms are maybe more willing to move off of assets or acquire assets and move off of stars and vice versa because of how quickly things can change yeah no that's certainly fair uh, like you mentioned with the pelicans you can you can go to, uh, from zero to you know pretty good uh pretty stable real quick in the nba more so than really under any other league so yeah, it's a really good point about them them not being afraid to rebuild. Yeah, so that was, I thought that was a really interesting interview. Thank you, Maddie, for her time. Hopefully we'll get her back on soon um, at some point. Uh, so this weekend I did something I've never done before. I watched a soccer game last night from basically start to finish. Wait, you watched the whole soccer match? I watched the men's soccer game from start to finish. Um, it's, a match, it's a match, Brian. Be respectful. It's not a game? No, it's a match. Uh, whatever. I'll watch the soccer match. Um, <laughs> so I have some questions, but we'll start with the women because uh, okay. I didn't watch the uh, Women's World Cup final. I was asleep for some of it, and then I had some stuff to do that morning. Uh, so I wasn't able to watch. Uh, they won 2 to nothing. Correct. And won the Women's World Cup. Um, they just kicked ass, and they were very confident <laughs> about doing it, and I respect the hell out of that because that's a very American very American thing. Um, so I, I don't have a ton of thoughts on this. Like I said, I didn't watch it. I thought it was cool. I thought them making the internet mad and people overreacting to dumb stuff was pretty funny. I, I think it's uh, them being as kind of brazen and as confident as they were is awesome. I think it's hilarious. Um, someone kind of explained the payment thing to them where they actually bring in more revenue than the men do. Um, so they should probably be paid what they're worth. Like, I don't understand how this is a discussion. People always want to bring, like, and I'm not trying to get political here, but people always want to bring, like, sexism and stuff like that into it. Just whatever revenue you bring in, you should get paid that, like what well, your value is. It, it's not – the men bring in more uh, when you when you do sponsorships, TV, and, and that type of thing. The main, men bring in clearly more. Um, is that true? Yes. The issue is – and. and a lot of people look. I'm not going to say where I fall on this. Here's the here's the women's argument. Um, 
okay, it, 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 let's just, this is their argument. At an assembly line where at a Ford, where, where they make cars, People that assemble Ford Mustangs are paid the same amount as the people that assemble Ford Tauruses. They do the same job, but the people that assemble Ford Mustangs, they bring in more money to the company. Well, the, their argument is they should be paid the same because they do the same job. That's their argument. Whatever you want with it, I have my opinion on it, but I'm not going to get into it here. Um, but, no, the men bring in more money. I, I, don't, I, I have a problem where, and I'm not saying you because I know what you read, but a lot of articles and stuff don't mention that the, the TV money, the sponsorship money, that type thing. No, the, the men bring in more money to the Federation. That, that's, just, that's just how it is. But how they should be paid is, uh, is up for debate, especially when one doesn't make the World Cup and, and one wins the World Cup. Okay, that's fair. Like I said, I'm admittedly soccer ignorant. Um, I just if they're not getting paid what they're worth or their value, it's, at least to me from what I read, it sounded like they're it not is, actually exactly making what they're bringing in, or at least the value. It's not even that. It's like yes, they should be paid more. Sorry, they, they should be. It's that they don't get to take charter flights to games when the men do. They don't stay in the same hotels. They don't. They don't practice on the same field. Like. They're, they're not treated the same. I mean, let's, let's just keep it the way it is. Um, so it goes beyond the salary perspective, too. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. Congrats to the women. That's <laughs> awesome because uh, they kick everyone's ass. The men are not good. Um, yeah, so I'll move on to that. I watched a U.S. men's national soccer game last night. I had done. I'm still trying to like put together stuff in my room and get like my house, like where I just moved in, settled. And I got a lot of work done doing that. I did the interview with Maddie. I'd kind of finished everything I needed to do for the day. There was absolutely nothing on television. So I was like, to hell with it. I'll watch this soccer game. Or, excuse me, <laughs> match. Whatever. Uh, are you are you living by yourself now? No, no, no. I got two roommates. Uh, no? And one of them, they watched it kind of on and off with me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I started watching. And I immediately don't like, like I decided I don't know soccer at all because it looked like Mexico was tr- like about to score every two minutes and was dominating yep. the game and then I was reading the internet and being like oh USA's had so many chances and Mexico's just going to get one and I was like Am I, do I have the colors of these teams uniforms right I don't understand this no I think both can be true I think both teams had a lot of chances to put one in and uh USA kind of just gave away the uh, Zardes substitution. was horrible uh, at about the 73rd, 74th minute, right when Mexico scored. I can't remember exactly the minute. Um, yeah, it was, it was a horrible substitution. He's really bad. And Mexico broke one. And, and now the USA is going to have to play them in a playoff to uh, get to the Confederation Cup like they did in 2015. Yeah, um, sure. Um But what I don't understand, like I'll admit, I've never been soccer's boring guy. I just don't understand soccer. I'm not necessarily interested in it, but that game was interesting in the amount of chances that each team had to score. Um, Mexico looked like their skill level was way better. How does that happen? Well, because they're better at soccer. <laughs> That's just kind of what it is. I mean, their best athletes, uh, Mexico's best athletes, probably play soccer, and ours play football and basketball. When you when you get into that, it is what it is. Um, Mexico's always going to be better uh, skill-wise than us. We're probably always going to be more athletic. Um, in some ways, sometimes that works in our favor, and sometimes it doesn't. Last night, it clearly uh, didn't. Uh, the red uniforms are pretty uh, sick, if nothing else. <laughs> I thought those were pretty sweet. Yeah, I like those. Uh, I'm not a big uniform guy, but yeah, those, those are nice. I like those kits. 
Um, I'm trying to think what other observations I had on it. Oh, what happened to the bald goalie, Tim Howard? He retired like three years ago, man. He's living in Memphis. Oh, good. Just, like retired from U.S. National Soccer? Yeah, I think he's retired from everything. He was playing for Everton, uh, but I think he's pretty much retired uh, full-time now. I think he plays the MLS. I think I looked this up. Did he? Okay. I, I'm not past plus, uh I keep up with uh, La Liga over there in Spain in the Premier League. Um, past that, in international, I don't really keep up. Um, I'm trying to think. I wrote a couple thoughts down. Um... Yeah, how, okay, so how do these dudes, like when you get a ball like that next to the goal, like when they kick one in, how do you whiff it as badly as they do? Like it comes like just sputtering off their foot sometimes. I'm not about to pretend it's like easy, but how does that happen as often as it does? Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, look, I never played a, a minute of soccer. So, um, but I do think a lot of guys, look, it, it's congested down there in that box. So I feel like a lot of guys get, you know, nervous and, and probably rush a lot of things a lot faster than they probably need to. Okay, and then the last thing I had was oh, the the time-wasting shit at the end of the game is awful. <laughs> okay, I get what you're saying. I understand, but is running it three times into the line of scrimmage in football not just as bad? But there's a play clock that's within the confines of the rules. This is just like, hey, I'm going to fake an injury. I watched a guy last night fake what I thought was a knee injury then he, like, well, looks around for a bit, gets up, starts rubbing his calf. Like, there's no, like, time limit or, like, set things. Like, football, you're doing it within the confines of the rules. This, you're just there, doing it because you're a pansy. I mean, there is stoppage time. Like, they had that time on and, and added to the end. It's not like the game stops at the 90th minute. Dude, there's no way the stoppage time is an accurate representation of what how much time they actually waste. That entire last 15 minutes was absurd. It's closer than you think. I mean, they're, if they're wasting time just kicking the ball around, that's different. Um, I think so. Stoppage time is pretty close to, to representative of how much time is supposed to be there. Fair enough. That's all the soccer thoughts I had. I might watch another soccer game again sometime in the next couple years. I'm not I'm not totally ruling it out. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. I, I found it entertaining. How brave for you to maybe watch another soccer match? Well, I mean, I, I've never been, like, anti-hate soccer guy. I just don't understand it, and it's never interested me. Like, obviously, well, it's a popular sport. Um, but I, there was, there was, I, I kind of got excited a couple times. I was like, oh, they almost, like, I, I, kinda, I got into it a little bit. I'd probably watch another game. There you go. There you go. Um, so, now to Conspiracy Corner. <laughs> uh, so, the first one we picked was we got one a couple people have sent me. I got one in a DM and then a couple in an email. There are people that think Tupac and Notorious B, Notorious B.I.G. are still alive. Okay, let, before we even get into that, do you believe that? No, of course not. Okay. I don't get the faking your own death thing. Like, all these conspiracy theories that, like, yeah, he faked his own death, he's still alive. What's the? No one's ever been able to tell me a good motivation of why someone faked their own death. Why would you want to do that? Why does that sound cool? Just get the insurance money, but I don't think these guys need it. Yes, I don't understand. Like, why? Why would you want to go off the grid? Like, why would you want to do that? I don't. That's the one explanation that no one can ever give me when that happens. Is like, oh yeah, this guy faked his own death. It's like, well, why? What do you mean? Like, what do you mean? Like, why would you want to do that? If somebody could do that, like if Tupac could do that and is actually alive and comes like shows back up in the next three years, I'll be the biggest fan ever because that's awesome to just go away for thirty years. So. 
Tupac was shot four times on the way to an after party after attending a Mike Tyson fight with his big with a business partner and friend. His killer was never found, but 22 years after the murder, several people are saying close ties to Tupac, the legendary rapper, is still alive. Again, this is a Esquire article that's like explaining the conspiracy theory. I don't believe this. I don't think the person that writes this believes this. But why? Like, have you done research on this? Why do you think people think this? Um, it's kind of like people forever believed that Elvis was still alive. Like, I think people just kind of hold on to things and, and to hope. Um, there's not really a good theory as to why people actually believe he's still alive, though. Okay, like, so this Esquire article says Suge Knight Jr., which Shug is the... Suge Knight Jr., which is the uh, son of the guy that was with Tupac that night, has apparently claimed that Tupac is living in Malaysia and has showed a photo of a guy in present day that looks strikingly similar. <laughs> Why would you want to go live in Mal? I don't understand this. You're a famous rapper. Why would you want to go live in Malaysia? I guess maybe. I don't. You're, I don't know. I mean, it make it kind of makes no sense. Tupac is dead, man, and so, and so is Biggie Smalls. I mean, it's it, it is what Wait, it is. Wait, Biggie Smalls? Not, not Biggie Smalls. Goodness, uh, notorious at the Big. What happened to him? I got. To, I got. Well, I went down the Tupac rabbit hole and never came out. I'm not sure. I'll be honest with you. Um, the, the, I was kind of the same way. I kind of Googled conspiracy theories regarding Tupac the whole night. Because um, when I get into that stuff, I get kind of fascinated. I just never saw anything that made sense from a from a he's still alive perspective. Like, I think people are holding on to hope that he's still alive. But to me, like, in this world of social media and Facebook and, and you know, Twitter, there's no way that guy's living in Malaysia and we haven't found out. Exactly. It's almost like irrational. Like, it's like, I guess people don't want to believe it, but I mean, if it, if it ha not to make light of what happened at all, but like, if there was like a crime scene and a crime that took place, like, I just don't feel like you could fake that. <laughs> well, here's the thing about faking your own death, man. A lot of people got to be quiet, especially when you've been murdered like he allegedly was. Um, and I feel we're saying allegedly, like, the police have to be in on it. The people in your car have to be in on it. Like, there's a lot of people involved that can't talk. Um, so, I, no, I don't believe that one. Yeah, so, I don't I don't know. There's a very grainy video of apparently Tupac in Cuba. I, I just don't, I don't believe any of this. Uh, <laughs> Snoop, Snoop Dogg went on some show a while back and kind of addressed it and said, look, all this stuff's good TV, but, like, my, my friend definitely got killed, and, like, he's 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 gone. So, yeah, I, I don't get these whole, like, mur like these, these conspiracies where people fake their own deaths. None of this has made sense to me. Uh, I probably picked not a great one to start on. We should have started one where, like, people think that milk is bad for you, like I got a couple weeks ago. So we'll we'll hold on to that for next week. Um, <laughs> we're going to do milk is bad next week? Yeah, I thought I was going to have a lot more thoughts on this, but I really just don't. Like, I just don't yeah, buy don't into this it. at all. Because I've got to, I, I don't necessarily have to believe the conspiracy theory, but I have to, like, give it the credence that it actually This exists. one doesn't have enough strong, like, evidence around it. It's just like, like hey, he could be in Malaysia. Here's a picture. Wanna, like, what? Do you want to talk about Stevie Wonder not being blonde or, or the uh, mafia killing JFK? I'm, I'm all in there. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll maybe get to that in the coming weeks. I don't know. I thought I'd have more thoughts on this. We'll do better next week. Um, <laughs> That's about it i think did you have anything else i, I don't i think we covered I don't, I don't have anything else no man it's the uh it's the doldrums of summer until about a week and a half two weeks from now yeah bear with us for one more week because football is officially back next week 
kind of, with SEC Media Days, we'll at least have stuff to talk about, content, interviews, and stuff like that. So bear with us wait, for wait, one wait, more week. Wait, wait, Hold on. Did you see uh, Did you see what our boy Phil Longo said this weekend? Oh, yeah, okay. So we this was addressed on <laughs> Friday's show, I guess. Um, yeah, so oh. Phil Longo said in an article to... I think the, the North Carolina 247 site, whatever whatever it is, um, that he was only allowed to run about 60% of his offense at Ole Miss. Yeah. And that's why there were red zone struggles and that you shouldn't um, – You like, like he was basically reassuring the North Carolina fan base, there will be no red zone struggles under my watch. That was because I was only able to run – you know, X percentage of my offense, which is just honestly um, laughable. Well, I mean, to just now look, at first I was like, wow, this is this is such a dumb thing to say and inaccurate. But if, you know, look, he said he was allowed to run 60 to 65% of his offense, that means you were only cutting, what, like three plays? I can see where they cut three plays. Look, man, I've talked to a couple people about this. It's, it's certainly, obviously, anyone with the brain is not true. But my thing is, you can't be the guy that's, yes, yeah, I'm Mr. Simplicity. Like, you know, we're just going to take what the defense gives us. We have X plays. You know, we only run two routes. You know, one of them is called get open. Obviously, a little bit that exaggerated kind of what if people have made of it. But you can't be Mr. Simplicity guy and then after the fact, be like, well, actually, I was only allowed to run 60% of my offense because I promise you he would not have, he was not constrained. I don't have this 100% source. I would put my hand up and admit that, but I'm going to bet that he was not prevented from, you know, running a bubble screen or a crossing route in the red zone. What do you think? <laughs> you don't think uh, getting A.J. Ball, AJ Brown the ball was against the rules? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that was against the rules. I don't think he was he was allowed not to do that. So I just – and I don't understand the motivation behind this, man. He was t- he was very bad last year, very bad in the red zone. All Like, basically all that offense did was pick up hollow yardage against bad teams. They had 578 yards of offense against Vanderbilt and scored two touchdowns. Two. <laughs> So that's hard. Like, like just doing the math, that's hard. Yeah, 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 that's hard to do. And so I, what I don't understand is he was treated better than 90% of coordinators in the country. They allowed him to go find another job instead of fire him. Why are you going to do this now? <laughs> I guess they didn't want to pay the file, but good God. They, but still, yeah, I get there was but there was money. For, I think they, not money. There was, there was skin in the game for both involved for it to happen that way. But they didn't say anything. They didn't leak anything privately. They allowed him to go find another job and then put it, like, basically – Basically, let it be viewed as a mutual parting of ways, and then you're going to do that? I think it's, I mean, I don't really understand the motivation other than I'm just too prideful to admit that, you know, my offense didn't work at this level in the red zone. Yeah, I think that's about the extent of it. I think the, the prod factor got into the way. Yeah, kind of like the guy that hired him. Yeah, so, you know, obviously that. I don't know. I don't have much more to say on that. Longo was fine while he was here. I don't have a problem with the guy. I thought that was a very strange thing to say. Um, particularly at the time, but I guess he's trying to just reassure his current fan base that it is not going to look like it did here because they will not be happy if that's the case. <laughs> he won't be there very long. Yeah, so that's about all I got. You got anything else? That's about it. Cool. Well, we'll be back at it on Wednesday. Um, I've got maybe another interview or two idea in mind. Uh, stick with us through this last week. We're kind of in the last week of slowness. Um, SEC Media Days will really kickstart us back that week. We appreciate you listening. Like and subscribe. Um, because as we hit the ground running during football season, I think this thing will really take off. Um, So for Colin Brister, I am Brian Scott Rippey, and we will catch you next time. 
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.